This is Peter Franson from spiritblade.net. I'm thrilled to share with you this unique look into the origins of the Spiritblade audio drama trilogy. For more information about these cinematically produced full cast audio dramas, visit spiritblade.net. And right now, prepare to dive into this enhanced audiobook experience as we present Spiritblade, a novel by Peter Franson. Part 11. Ebony, wait, Rand blurted out in a panic. She continued slowly toward him, unsheathing her poisoned blade. She was feeding on his fear, he realized. He was only confirming that he was her enemy. Ebony, stop, he said as calmly as he could manage. The long dagger hung just inches from his throat, but remained still. He had her attention. I won't ask you not to kill me, Rand stated evenly. I only want you to know why you're doing it. He paused, hoping that might be enough, but realized it wasn't. Why do you kill for him, Ebony? Do you know? The hooded face seemed to lose focus, staring off past his shoulder. Atlantis uses three basic formulas from which all of their cerebral inhibitors are derived. What you caught in your hand earlier is an antidote used by Atlantis to counteract the effects of any one of those three. The shadowed face jerked back to attention and leaned in viciously. Don't toy with me, human. Human? Rand's voice tightened under pressure. Ebony, listen to me. You are human. You're not one of them. They are using you, testing the limits of the human body, and it's crippling you. You don't feel the pain until you're released from their control. Ebony tightened her grip on Rand's shoulder and pressed the blade into his skin. Rand could feel the cold steel and the liquid that dripped from it ran down his neck. I may be lying to you, Ebony. This may be an elaborate trick, but if it is, then explain to me why you've been questioning your loyalty to Falcor, as I suspect you have, for the first time tonight. The blade at Rand's neck relaxed, but remained pressed against him. Why do you even take these moments now to consider the ramifications of what I'm saying? Rand looked sadly into Ebony's hooded face, praying that she would be coherent enough to understand what he was saying. Somewhere inside, Ebony seemed to recognize the man in front of her, but as if he were from another life or some figure in a dream she once had. As she locked eyes with him, the memories of the dream became more vivid. Rand could see the change taking place as her posture relaxed and as she returned to the delicate woman he'd met days before. The blade dropped from her hand as though she could no longer bear its weight, and she fell to her knees in both physical and emotional distress. For the first time, she took in her surroundings, removing her hood and mask. Her hair fell raggedly around her face and became wet with tears. At last, the memories of her two lives coexisted. She remembered everything she had done in service to the Shada and Atlantis, and it was more than she could stand. Rand began to ask her to untie him when Claudius stepped back into the room, taking in the scene before him. Ebony, he scolded, isn't there something you were supposed to do? You used me, she spit out bitterly through her tears. You and the Shada, you've been using everyone. Ebony, you are confused, Claudius smiled gently, moving toward her. I'm more clear now than I've ever been. She jumped up to fight, but cried out in pain as muscled pulled along her back, arms, and legs. All pretense disappeared as Claudius became suddenly angry. You're a fool, woman. We gave you life you never knew. We gave you power no one has ever had. And now look at you. Without us, you are wasted. 
We took away your pain so that with the enhancers we gave you, your body could be taken to its limits without human discomfort to hold you back. We gave you freedom to do the impossible. Without the inhibitors, you're nothing again. Ebony winced through her agony as Claudius laughed at her weakness. But with a sharp cry of pain, Ebony leaped into the air and delivered a flying kick to Claudius' jaw, sending him reeling backward. She gave him no time to recover and continued to pummel him with blows, jumping, spinning, and kicking, all the while screaming at the torment she continued to put her body through. Claudius seemed unable to defend himself as he was driven further back. Finally, she trapped him in the corner of the room and mercilessly hammered him with rapid blow after blow, unleashing a storm of violence that no man could withstand. Then suddenly, Claudia slammed his palm squarely into her chest, sending her flying to the opposite corner of the room, where she landed disheveled on the floor, unconscious. A small chuckle arose from Falcor as he reflected again on his own power. Straightening his shirt and coat, he lazily approached Rand, smiling. As I said, nothing. You're a monster, Ran raged at him. Claudius leaned into him until each could smell the other's breath and whispered, I'm a god. You're a man, Claudius. Like anyone else, Ran spoke defiantly, only twisted by power and greed. You misunderstand the situation. The truth is much different than what you see, Claudius explained. What would you know of truth, Rand fired back. You serve a race of beings dedicated to deception. Wrong, Claudius shouted. They serve me now. I am their master, their leader. I am the first and I will be the last. Claudius laughed in his own glory, filling the room and corridors with his deluded self-praise. I am God. In a burst of light centered on Falcor's chest, a long, shimmering blade suddenly emerged. Claudius stumbled backward in shock as he looked down to see a hand emerging as well, gripping the hilt of the massive blade. The room was washed in light as the long sword led the way for its owner to make entrance into the physical world. Claudius dropped to his knees as the portal in his chest widened and the dark wielder of the shining blade emerged, taking his place defiantly over Falcor, who remained stunned. As the vaporous clouds of Astrum cleared, Ran experienced a surge of hope. Vincent! He shouted in surprise. Vincent reflected a brief smile, then returned to business, replacing his retrieved sword in his coat as the blade again vanished with the fading Astrum. Impossible, Claudius breathed, still in shock. Vincent, be careful, Ran quickly warned. Claudius isn't Claudius Falcor, Vincent finished. Claudius was murdered only two days ago by the Shada. They kept his body and replaced him with one of their own. Vincent's face twisted in disgust as he looked down on Falcor. This thing calls himself the Nephilim. He's some kind of sick blend of human and demon. Falcor's shock became replaced with anger as his identity and plan became revealed. Vince continued, He has complete awareness of himself in both the physical and spiritual worlds. And there's more like him in the works if we don't shut this entire operation down right now. The cloning tanks, Rand suddenly remembered. Vince, he said something about cloning tanks. That must be where the others will come from. Vincent turned and grabbed Claudius, yanking him to his feet. Where are the tanks, freak? You'll never reach them in time, Falcor spit back. Even now I lead my army into this world, and here we are invincible. Falcor's chest exploded, sending blood and muscle tissue spraying in every direction as a conglomeration of writhing flesh slammed into Vincent and pinned him against the opposite wall. 
Claudius laughed as he walked toward him, allowing his bizarre new limb to retract and be pulled back inside as he approached. Ran neglected to tell you that I've received the extract treatment from the tree. I am now the ultimate organism. As he spoke, he stretched out a free hand and released thin, muscled cords from his palm that acted like tendrils, weaving their way back to a monitor station where they began inputting a code sequence. I've just begun synthesis of the extract, Falcor said delighted. In only minutes, there will be enough for every Nephilim born in this facility tonight. In the spirit world, the Nephilim led his army into the complex with blinding speed, passing through walls and physical barriers as though they had no substance. The millions of demons in his wake rained down like gunfire into the bodies being grown for them and took in their first breaths of life. Ebony began to sense movement in front of her. At first, it was only that of shadows lacking form and definition. But as the light in the room seemed to grow, so did her perception. Her eyes opened to the sight of her transformed employer holding Vincent Kraft against the wall with a bloody, disfigured appendage that emanated from his chest. Strands of muscle retracted from work completed at the monitor station behind him, and he seemed to renew his focus on the physical punishment he delivered to Vincent as he continued to squeeze the life from his body. Dragging her eyes to the other side of the room, Ebony recognized Rand, still bound to the chair with xenomite cords. He renewed the physical struggle to free himself as he watched his friend dying. Ebony knew she had to help, but didn't know how. Her blades were not nearly sharp enough to cut through the xenomite that held Ran, and she was no match for Claudius now. It was possible that no one was. Just beyond Claudius, Ebony suddenly noticed the cryotanks for the first time, and as her eyes came fully into focus, she recognized their contents. The boy, David, and Merrick. He seemed to be the key to all of this somehow. From what he had told her about his experience with the Liberation, he seemed pretty important to them. But being important wouldn't help them right now. They needed something more practical. Her eyes settled on the boy. She hadn't heard many details about him, but Merrick implied that he was the most dangerous of any of them. That he could somehow make things happen with his mind or something. If she could free him, maybe... Four bloody, skinless arms grabbed her from behind and pulled her to her feet to face Claudius. She was held on both sides by horribly disfigured men, humans with no skin, bleeding from every inch of their body, yet somehow able to function without dwelling in a nightmare of pain. This one is awake and plots against you, my lord, the one to her right hissed. Claudius completely retracted his monstrous limb and allowed Vincent to slump to the floor as it disappeared into his chest. What a shame, Ebony, Claudius said. I'd hoped you'd be salvageable in some way, but that appears not to be the case. He smiled at her briefly, then turned to the creature that had spoken. Break her arms. Claudius, no, Rand screamed. You're a dead man, Falcor, Vincent said, staggering to his feet. More of the Nephilim began streaming into the room, sprouting claws and scurrying along the walls and ceiling. They swarmed inward until they covered nearly every surface visible. No, Mr. Kraft, Claudius smiled, turning to face him. It is you who have come to the end of the line. With pride, Falcor took in the power he held over the room. Then, satisfied with his own glory for the moment, locked eyes with Vincent and ordered, Devour them. Slowly. The gory creatures filling the room cackled and hissed with glee and anticipation, splitting bone through muscle tissue, frighteningly arming themselves for the gruesome task. However, just before the melee could begin, every demon, Falcor included, froze. 
The others watched in confusion as the creatures gasped and jaws dropped at what they saw in the other world. The air began to glow as clouds of astrum became visible in the physical realm. Rapidly, they gathered and began swirling in a torrent around the cryotank holding Merrick. The liquid inside began churning and spinning as the figure within brightened, filling the tank with light. The creature concealed in Falcor's flesh betrayed hidden fear on the face of his new body. "'Kill him!' he screamed, pointing for the demons to charge the tank. In a terror-induced rage, every demon jumped and scrambled to rip at the tank, heedless of what may result. Claudius alone stayed back to see the outcome." Nephilim covered every inch of the tank, cracking the reinforced glass and denting the sides, determined to gain entry. Though they covered the tank completely, the light inside became more brilliant, shining through the demonic creatures. And in a sudden burst of light and astrum, the mass of Nephilim was reduced to ash, and the tank lay in singed pieces on the floor. Standing amidst the destruction, with astrum still trailing off him in wisps of light, was Merrick. He was covered in brilliance as the forces of creation continued to faintly swirl around him, contained by a shaft of encircling energy. The choice is made, Merrick stated, and the power of the only has come like a scythe. Claudius remained frozen in fear as Merrick glanced at the tank holding David. The boy began to shimmer as Astrum streamed from Merrick and covered him. Slowly, David was lifted from out of the tank as his prison dissolved into light around him. Gently, the illuminant mist carried him and carefully laid him down in front of Ran, whose xenomite bonds evaporated and trailed off in a mist of astrum. Take care of them both, Ran, Merrick said, looking now at Ebony, who remained conscious yet broken down on the floor. We'll need David's gift soon. Vincent straightened himself and pulled the hilt from inside his coat, preparing to wield the blade. Not yet, Vince, Merrick said. Go with Ran and the others. Find the cloning tanks and destroy them and any Nephilim you see. We can't let any more of them find access to the extract. Vincent half smiled as he asked, Who filled you in? I've got my sources, Merrick grinned. Vincent turned and helped Ebony up while Rand picked up David and started out of the room. What about you? Ebony asked weakly. He's taken the extract. You, you can't kill him. Claudius looked at Ebony, taking in her words. Slowly, the fear began to fade. Once the tanks are destroyed, I'll meet you topside, Merrick said. Go! Vincent took her arm, and both hurried out of the room. As the trio headed down the hall, an alarm sounded in the distance, marking the danger that inevitably lay ahead. Ebony struggled to keep up with Vincent and Ran. Her body was racked with pain, and she was sweating feverishly. Vince noticed Ran's difficulty in keeping pace as well as he carried David, and so he slowed down to allow them to stay together. How do we know where we're going? Ebony asked, panting. Based on the underdevelopment of the clone bodies we saw, Ran said, keeping up better now, I'd guess that they haven't finished their intended generation cycle, which could very well mean that the alarm we're hearing is a result of them breaking from their growth chambers before schedule. The short version, Vince said grimly, follow the wailing siren. An automatic door hissed open in front of them, revealing a large room in which a battle of survival took place. Atlantis security troopers lined the walls of what appeared to be another larger research and development lab. Inside, they fought off a host of Nephilim that ran amok in a mad rage. An officer nearby shouted to them from the console he took cover behind. What the jag are you doing here? Run! These dracks are unstoppable! We've got to get to the cloning tanks! Rand shouted as the four of them ducked behind a storage bin. Are you Fritz? That's where they're all coming from! He shouted back, then ducked as a green blot of acid landed on the console near his face. Vincent waited for him to recover, then shouted, Which way? 
The Atlantis officer only looked at him for a moment as though he were speaking another language, then finally shouted, You've got to get through this room and down the catwalk out the other side. You'll need a jagged army to get down there. He pulled out a blaster and fired a few shots into the chaos. The three of them crouched down low, leaning back on the bin, each mentally running through their options. I could try shifting, Vincent offered, but if I go alone, I won't be able to do anything once I'm down there. And if I try to bring you guys along, well... Vincent risked a peek over the bin, then came down again. You'd all be even easier targets in there than you are here. Ebony turned to Ran. I need my inhibitors back. What? Ran exclaimed. That's ridiculous. You need treatment now as it is. Ran, do you have anything like that? Ebony demanded. This is no good, Ebony, Vincent said, putting his arm on her shoulder. You'll be killed if you stretch yourself any further. We'll all be killed if we stay here any longer, Ebony shouted. If you've got a better idea, I'm willing to be humbled. She looked at both men, waiting for another option. None came. Rand fished in his tech belt and produced an injector with a small vial that he attached to it. Okay, this is not the same inhibitor you've been using. This will only deaden your pain receptors for about 90 seconds, two minutes at the most, but it should still trigger the nanotech chemical releasers in your bloodstream. Fine, good, Ebony said shortly. Do it. Rand breathed out his regret one last time and then administered the injection. For a moment... Ebony only closed her eyes and breathed deeply, stretching out her mind and allowing herself to feel the effects of the inhibitor in every inch of her body. A calmness took over as she felt her pain disappear, followed by her fatigue as the chemical releasers went to work. Ebony? Ran asked, uncertain of the results. Ebony, Vince said sternly. If it's working, then you're on the clock. If you can do something, you've got to do it now, Ebony finished as her eyes flashed open. In a second, she was gone, springing into the air and spinning into action. Her flight path arced as she somersaulted, brandishing her blades at the same time. Two demons fell victim to devastating kicks that sent them reeling. Two more became divided straight down the middle as Ebony's poisoned blades found their targets. Given the opportunity through distraction, several Atlantis troopers found cover and quickly reloaded their weapons. The remaining Nephilim, 17 in all, encircled Ebony, hissing and drooling at this new challenge. With a battle-hungry smile, she let her warrior persona take over and welcomed them. All at once, they rushed in on her. With liquid movements, she dropped and floored three with a leg sweep. Another took advantage of her position and made a dive, bearing his teeth toward her throat. He was met by black boots that fired into his jaw like jackhammers, breaking his neck and toppling him backward. Again, she took to the air, leaping ten feet straight up and jabbing a dagger into the ceiling. With her hold in place, she dodged two blaster shots from a fallen trooper's weapon. She realized that despite their horrific appearance, they were very intelligent creatures and knew how to use any weaponry they found. The blaster was silenced when she threw her second dagger with such force that it passed completely through the demon's head, leaving a gruesome cavity. Two more demons picked up a storage bin and threw it up at the ceiling toward her. Ebony pulled her dagger from the ceiling and leapt at the oncoming ton of steel, rolling across its surface as it flew through the air. With inhuman speed, she kicked off the back of the massive structure meant to kill her and continued her flight down to the two Nephilim. Both were dead before the bin crashed into the floor again. But soon more players entered the fray. Her heightened senses gave her an uncanny sense of her surroundings. In her peripheral, two weapons lay abandoned on the floor. Delivering a cartwheel kick to three oncoming Nephilim, she landed upright with a magnetic blaster in both hands and fired off two rounds from each, sending metal fragments flying through flesh at twice the speed of sound. Two more of the monstrosities dropped as their skulls burst open. 
Three of the creatures rushed her at once, closing in from opposite sides. Leaping straight up, she performed a split kick that the two beside her managed to evade. But before falling, Ebony braced her heels on the shoulders of the enemy. The third, incapable of stopping in time, slid beneath her, making an easy target as she fired two more rounds from each weapon into the top of his head. Ebony's unwitting supporters found themselves hooked by her feet as she brought her legs together, causing their skulls to crack as they slammed forcefully into one another. Eight more to go. The first of them found his death in the form of her dagger lancing through his brain. The second found time to strike out with his massive fist, but had his arm returned to him, broken, his bone piercing the skin. Ebony whipped around behind him and forced his head into the exposed bone, gouging his eye. The partially blinded creature was easy prey to a finishing jump kick. From behind their cover, Ran and Vincent both watched in amazement as Ebony single-handedly tore the Nephilim apart, every bit their superior, yet they knew what the exercise would cost her. With the last of her ammo spent, three more Nephilim dropped to the floor. Ebony ducked a swipe of thrashing claws and reclaimed her thrown dagger to face the final three with both hands armed. Slowly, the effects of the drugs began to wear off, and Ebony could feel herself dragging as familiar pain crept back into her muscles and joints. Her vision blurred, and one of the creatures scored a hit as its claws tore at her arm, cutting deep into the flesh. Burning pain spread from the new wound and seemed to set her whole arm on fire. Poison, she realized. Suddenly outmatched, she bolted for the far door, whitening knuckles over her daggers. One of the three Nephilim leaped to the ceiling and crawled above her, racing to the door to block her path. Ebony began to grimace as the inhibitor faded further, and her pain became more pronounced. In seconds, the sharp edges of agony overshadowed the steaming breath on her neck, and as she reached the door, her last hope of escape was shattered as the Nephilim above her dropped to the ground, bearing jagged teeth and razor-sharp claws. But instead of slowing, Ebony cried out in tortured rage, howling a furious battle cry at the demon in her path. With fire cutting through her, Ebony leaped in a final effort and slammed her foot squarely into the demon's face, forcing his head into the closed door behind him. In the same movement, springing off of the dead monster, she flew back toward the two oncoming Nephilim. Her blade sang as she used her momentum to divide bone and muscle. She landed in a roll and turned quickly to her opponents. For a moment, they staggered toward her before collapsing to the floor, cleanly and efficiently decapitated. Ebony's daggers clattered to the floor as she fell, twitching and shivering, into unconsciousness. As the few surviving Atlantis troopers came out from cover, Vincent and Ran rushed to their fallen ally. Immediately, Ran began to administer treatment, injecting medicines with purposes Vincent could only guess at. The half-dozen remaining troopers slowly gathered around the fallen warrior, removing their helmets to get a better look. "'What happened?' the commanding officer asked. "'How could she do what she did just a second ago and now be like this?' "'Because she's been used,' Vincent answered in disgust. "'By your employer. "'She's just another experiment to Claudius Falcor and the Shada. "'They don't care who they hurt, "'which is why you're suddenly fighting for your life "'against what you've sworn to protect.' "'Draxack,' the officer swore. "'I'm getting my men out of here. "'From now on, we only protect ourselves.' "'He turned to the others and waved for them to line up. "'Wait!' Rand pleaded. "'Don't you understand what they're making down here?' "'The soldiers slowed but continued preparing to leave.' You can't escape this just by leaving the complex, Rand said. These things will be all over the world tomorrow, only invincible, completely unkillable. After that, it will only be a matter of time before we're all dead. The trooper and his men seemed to weigh Rand's words. Vincent felt time slipping away as he watched Ebony's condition worsen. Finally, after glancing at his men, the commanding officer 
extended his hand. I can't promise we'll do more than take a look at the odds in there, but I'll admit I'd like some answers before we get out of here. My name is Verdick, Commander Devin Verdick. Rand gripped his hand firmly. Rand Galvanic, he gestured to the others. Vincent Kraft, Ebony Ravenloft, David... Kraft? Verdick interrupted. Weren't you... Yeah, Vincent answered, smiling grimly as he stood. Found a better employer. He picked up Ebony as Rand lifted David over his shoulder. You should, too. With new resolve, the strange party headed out the far door into the central cloning facility. She's right, you know, Claudius informed Merrick as he fixed his hair. This body is immortal. You can't destroy it. Merrick could see the confidence returning to Falcor's eyes, but remained relaxed. You're deluding yourself, Nephilim, he said quietly. You and your kind are doomed to failure. I know that now. Claudius suddenly grabbed Merrick by the shoulders and thrust himself into his face. What do you know of any of this? He growled. You're an infant. I have been walking the surface of this planet for thousands of years. You must be a slow learner, Merrick said without blinking. Oh, really? Claudius said sarcastically. And what have you learned that's been so enlightening? The truth, Merrick answered simply. Don't insult me with clever vagueness, boy, the demon scoffed. You've learned nothing new, only felt a warm fuzzy that you will now foolishly base your life on. Wrong, demon, Merrick said, pushing the Nephilim away from him. It's the only option that makes sense, he said, punching out his words. The only warm feeling I plan on having is your heart pulsing in my hand. Claudius sized up his opponent, searching for a weakness, anything that could be used against him, but found nothing. You are indeed a fine creation, boy, but I will nevertheless tear you apart. I'll enjoy your efforts, Merrick answered. The double doors hissed open, allowing the renegade group entrance to the massive room. The ceiling remained natural cave, but with light fixtures attached to illuminate the giant laboratory. The room stood nearly 40 yards long and 20 yards wide, lined with hundreds of metal cylinders. Several dozen had already been broken open from within, while the rest held Nephilim who would soon escape, longing to ascend from the metallic wombs that imprisoned them. Rand set David on the floor and fished out a pair of goggles that he snapped on. His jaw dropped as he scanned the room around them. They're everywhere, he exclaimed. What are? Verdick asked, confused. Demons, Vincent answered quickly. How many, Ran? What class? More than I can count, Ran answered in amazement. The concentration is so great that I can't even see more than six feet in front of me. Wait a minute, Verdick interrupted. Let's go back to demons for a second. Creatures that exist in a parallel dimension with limited access to ours, Vincent tried to explain. That's why Atlantis started this project. These bodies are grown only to give them permanent physical form so they can run around in our world. This is insane, Verdick laughed in disbelief. You've all lost your minds. David rubbed at his eyes and came awake on the floor and looked up at the others. What's going on? He looked over at Ebony in Vincent's arms. She remained unconscious and twitching with the look of death all over her. What happened? He said, suddenly afraid. Did I... No, David, ran quickly corrected. She was injured fighting the Nephilim. Then we're too late, came David's stark realization. No, kid, we're not, Vincent said firmly. But we need your help. These things are almost impossible to kill. There's too many of them for me to fight in the spirit world, and we're about out of options on this level, too. With the exception of you, David, Rand said, removing his goggles. No, David jerked his arm away. It doesn't work like that. Hey, who is this kid? Devin piped in. Shut up, Verdick, Vincent snapped. 
It's not something I can just do whenever I want. It happens when it happens, David scooted back away from the others. We've got no time for this insecurity stuff, kid, Vincent scolded. This is your moment. If you don't take it, we're all dead. It's not my choice. It has to be his, David shouted. Then let him choose, Vincent yelled back. Vince, Rand reprimanded. He turned and kneeled down, speaking softly to the frightened child on the floor in front of him. David, we're all scared right now. He glanced up at the other two brooding men. Well, I'm scared anyway. Sometimes I wish that the only would have given my gifts, my responsibilities to someone else. So many people depend on me, and I'm afraid I'll let them all down. Sometimes I think that there are a hundred other people that would do so much better at my job than I do. I think that the only must have gotten it wrong somehow, giving me all these responsibilities, but whether there are better choices for the job in my estimation or not, the only chose me. And maybe he did it because he knew I wouldn't be so good at it. Man, you're great at what you do, David said. Maybe, but it wasn't always that way. For a long time, I had to trust the only to help me do what I couldn't do myself. I still do. Rand looked into the boy's moistening eyes, desperately hoping he would understand. Maybe that's what he wants for you, too. David looked over Rand's shoulder and saw the next several generation cylinders begin to open. Tears of panic began to roll down his face. Rand, you don't know what it's like to be used to kill people. You're right, David. I I don't, Rand said, feeling the tension mounting but remaining calm. That's an issue you'll have to deal with in time, but... These things aren't people, Rand explained. From the readings I saw on Claudius, the clones have all been grown with less than 25% of a normal human brain, just enough to cover basic operation. When the bodies are destroyed, they're only sent back into the spirit realm. Into position, men, Verdict ordered as the Nephilim slowly advanced. Fire on my order! David watched the creatures emerge. For a few moments after escaping the cylinders, they seemed disoriented, almost helpless. David couldn't help but think of them as human beings, despite their horrific appearance. Steady, men, Verdict ordered softly. We wait for their move. David felt a warmth near his chest and remembered the pendant he'd been given by Isaiah. And should my king ever send me to be near you, you will feel it in the warmth of the stone. In this way, I will always be with you. David snatched the goggles from Ran and strapped them on. The spirit world unraveled before his eyes. Leather-winged demons swarmed the room, covering nearly every square inch. Dozens of classes and sizes churned in a frenzied cyclone of evil, spinning downward into awaiting human bodies. Hundreds piled into the same vessels, uniting their power but fighting for control. But none of that mattered. Standing above David, in regal white robes, Isaiah stretched out his hand and gestured for David to rise. The boy jumped to his feet out of surprise more than obedience. He had believed this would be possible, but remained in denial of what he saw. Isaiah? he asked timidly. The silent figure nodded, smiling. You've been listening to the audiobook edition of Spirit Blade, written and narrated by Peter Franson. With music by Sound Ideas, Jason Livesay, Bjorn A. Lynn, Auntie Luoma, Unique Tracks, and Dominic Hauser. To experience the groundbreaking cinematically produced audio dramas based on this story, visit www.spiritblade.net. Thanks for listening. 
This is Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions. If you're one of those misfit Christians that likes sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comic books, then I'd love for you to hang out with me every week at the Spirit Blade Underground Podcast. Get some news and reviews on your favorite geeky subjects and join the conversation as we compare it all to the Bible. No suits, pews, or churchy language. I'm just a fanatical geek searching for the truth, and I'm hoping you'll join me. Find us on iTunes or go to spiritblade.net slash podcast. See you there, and in all things, seek the truth.